Hello there, and thanks so much for supporting the Music Career Show. My aim with this podcast is to help as many people as I can turn their passion for music into a career that can support them and their family by speaking to people who have actually done it and finding out how they've done it. With this in mind, I have developed my music career roadmap. This is a fully comprehensive and detailed step-by-step guide of how you can go from dreaming about your ideal career to actually implementing and living that dream. It is yours to download for free and can be found in the description of this episode. If you would like any support at any stage of your music career, you can reach out to me via email at barry at oneladmusic.com. I wish you all the best of luck and I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Music Career Show. Welcome to the Music Career Show, telling you the stories of the world's best professional musicians. Hello there and welcome to the Music Career Show. My name is Barry and every week I'll be speaking with incredible musicians from all over the world about how they've honed their craft and made a career out of doing what they love the most. If you're a new listener, then while you still have your device in your hand, please take a second to subscribe and tell your friends all about the Music Career Show. Hello and welcome back to the Music Career Show. So today's guest is an artist manager, a coach and a mentor from Munich, which is in Germany. In case you didn't know, I'm sure you did, but now you do definitely know. She has a vast wealth of knowledge and experience in all things related to touring, social media, marketing, record deals, and artist management, to name but a few. She has recently started her own music coaching business for independent musicians without label support called Be Your Own Star. And today, she's here to talk all about it. So this is Christina Bauer. Hello, Christina. How are you doing? Hi, Barry. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm super excited to be on your podcast today and share some insights, some basic knowledge and some advanced knowledge, hopefully. So yeah, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Good stuff. No, well, I'm delighted to have you. I'm delighted that Instagram uh, brought us together and, and all that jazz. Yeah, it was, it's, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. If people haven't heard of you just yet, Christina, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what it is that, that you do and what makes you tick? Oh, of course. So I'm Christina Bauer, as you just mentioned, from Germany, Munich in Germany. Munich is known for the Oktoberfest for whoever has been or wants to go. Yeah, so I'm an artist manager and artist coach. And my passion is helping musicians, helping artists to grow, to ties their hobby, their passion, and to figure out a way how to make a sustainable life with what they love to do, which is mostly music or any other artist business. And I help them in coaching and in man- on the management side. So the coaching side is kind of like the beginning, you know, how you start your music career, how you start your artist business. So I help with the coaching business on that side of things. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of things is the management business that I work for. It's called MWO Management in Los Angeles, based in Los Angeles, but we also work in Nashville, in London, in Dubai, in Munich. So it's a very international company wow, and we yeah. have artists all over the world. Yeah. And yeah, on this side of things, it's more, you know, like grown artists who really already figured out to how to monetize their hobbies. And we, you know, take a 15% commission, which is normal for a management business. So these are the two things that I work with. And I'm also a mentor for a few artists, just helping them, you know, when they have a few questions. I love to answer questions on social media, on email, just, you know, basic questions that they have. So that's what I do in a nutshell. Amazing. It sounds like we were spinning in a very similar orbit in, in, in that regard. So it's going to be great to, to chat and bounce some ideas off you and stuff and hear about some of your ideas and that. So let's, let's reverse for a minute though and find out where did music all start for you? 
Yeah, it started actually. So as soon as I was born, I loved to sing and I loved to play the piano. I played the guitar for a little bit and I was just very passionate about music and the music business that evolves around it as well, of course. Uh yeah, it's it started with that. And, you know, with time, you figure out maybe your voice isn't made for singing. That's what I did after a while. So I decided to work a little bit in the background. I actually did an internship with one of the biggest radio stations in Germany when I was 18. So right after, you know, completed high school, I wanted uh -huh. to go to the radio and just figure out the radio side of things. So that was very interesting. I was in the marketing event side of the radio station and did like, you know, some touring, some festivals, we organized them together. So that was really cool. And, you know, after that, it was all kind of like, how can I professionalize myself, my knowledge so that uh -huh. I can end up in the music business in the end. So that's what your podcast is about too. All the different ways into the music business. So I thought I was very passionate about your podcast because of that, because there's oh. so many ways to get into the music business or the music side of things. It doesn't have yeah. to be a singer songwriter. It can be, you know, there's so many ways to do music, to be in the music business. So yeah, yeah, I started at the radio station. I did study events management and tourism management. Mm -hmm. Worked a lot of festivals, always in the background, you know, bringing all the details together, working with the management on the other side. So I was the festival organizer or part of the festival organization. Worked with the management side of the artists as well. But I always felt like I wanted to work closer with the artists. I don't want to organize the whole thing. I'm more about the person itself, making persons happy, making people happy. So I... Uh, met somebody in America and she actually was part of a management company and she just asked me why don't you just do an internship and that was right before COVID hit but started yeah you're just doing the exact right yeah course. I started to be on a tour with an artist as a, a tour manager just to figure out you know the thing the company am I working well with the artist is it the right genre is it the right people but we all had to go back right after I started working for that artist as a tour manager because mm -hmm. COVID so we all had to go back home we went to you know people went to France to Germany to America and we actually never saw each other again after that so it's very... I mean I'm still working with the artists have met the artist after but never the part of the band you know the band and the people working in the back end so it's it was it's just different you know the world is yeah. a little different and after that I mean it was a big cut in the music industry and nothing was the same I I think yeah. you probably experience the same thing <laughs> absolutely yeah i had to and anyone i've talked to on the podcast or talked to even in life we all had to adapt in ways that we never ever thought of like i now have a completely i'd like like th things like that i know everything about this camera that i've got in front of me and i never had any interest in cameras before at all i couldn't have cared less i've now got a really fancy looking podcast mic which i never ever would have ever had any need to, it was like, oh, I'll just use that. If I ever have to do that, I'll just use one of my guitar amp mics and stuff like that. And you're like, no, yeah, I completely get you. There was an awful lot of, obviously, the pandemic was the worst thing that's ever happened to the vast majority of us in the world. And hopefully it will be the worst thing that ever happens to us. But uh, nothing else is going to ever going to happen. But there was an awful lot of, an awful lot of silver linings to that. We can kind of 
yeah, we can take solace in that, I suppose, a little bit. What about the radio internship? So you mentioned that. What was what did that involve, and what was like? What was your motivation for going into that? For starters, I just knew that radio is a big part of the music industry. You know, back when mm-hmm. it was even a bigger part than it is now. I mean, now with like Spotify and all the streaming services, they weren't mm-hmm. as big when I was eighteen. I'm thirty one now, so that's like quite a while yeah. ago. You know. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm I'm thirty. It's all good. I'm tardy heading toward party one, so all good. Yeah, I mean, it's a while ago and radio was playing a major role in the music industry and mm. how to promote musicians, how to get your music heard in front of an audience, in front of a lot of different people, you know. So I yeah. just wanted to know, how does it work? How, like, how does the application process work, for example? So how do musicians apply to be played on radio. So Mm. that kind of was a thing that I really wanted to get to know. And I also wanted to know, you know, the marketing side of things. So how do you market yourself as one of the biggest radio stations, which, you know, artists can work with as well and understand how do radio stations work? And then how can I, you know, apply in the best way so that they can play my music or they are interested in me as a musician as well? Very good. So what is so what did you find? So if say for example I'm an artist now and I play whatever, I play loads of Irish folk music and I want to go and get played on a radio station. Where's what's my first port of call? How do I put myself forward in the best light possible? So I would say the approach back when was a little different than it is now. Currently, I would say you start with small radio stations. You know, there's so much like online radio stations out mm. there. I just like to say, for example, there is yoga radio stations out there. So if your music is fitting more to the yoga part, for example, you could push your music to a yoga radio station or there's a road trip radio stations. You know, there's a hundred million different kinds of smaller radio stations where you can really apply for and you have a good chance to have your music played and featured on. And then once you have collected all this, you know, you can say, hey, I've been played in this and this and this radio station. Then you can go to bigger radio stations and, you know, you have a portfolio already of like experience with radio stations. You can get to the big radio stations and say, hey, I have this and this in my portfolio. I have such and such followers on all my social media, my YouTube, you know, kind of just like collect numbers and collect the portfolio as much and as professional as possible and then send it over because you're way more likely that they're listening to you other than hey i'm an indie artist or i'm a rock pop folk artist and i would love to be featured on radio here's my city or here's my email under a hundred million other emails yeah and connections of course connections is a big factor so if you have connections to radio stations don't be afraid to use them you know asking never hurts so just politely ask Yeah. Okay. Very good. So say, for example, so you're saying to collect these things in like these appearances on radio and stuff like that. This is a two part question. Number one, how do you actually make a note of and make a record of the fact that you played on this radio station? And where do you store that? and present it to bigger radio stations, if you get me. Yeah, so there there are different ways to do that. So one way, for example, could be you're listening to that radio stations, if possible. And you, mm. so this is also something you can really use well for your social media. You record yourself listening to your song, you know, ah. and then emotions that you have and how you react to it. And that's something that always is very 
it tends to go viral on social media or to have a lot of listens because people are happy for you. You know, it's something people are very likely to like. So if possible, I would always document everything. If there is a poster of you somewhere, take a photo with you in front of that photo and that poster of yours. Yeah, of course. Take a video of you listening to that. You could send in a video of you presenting yourself saying, hey, I'm an artist and I've been featured on this and this radio station. Give it a listen. And then you cut the videos of you listening to the radio stations playing your song, for example, together. And then send that video to the radio station. And the radio station is definitely going to look at that and definitely going to watch it. Or what you could do is just, you know, kind of have it all laid out in a PDF if you don't have the opportunity to do that. Because there is sometimes a way that they can look into databases of radio stations and you will be in those databases. So there there is the easy way, but you know, the more effort, the more you're making yourself unique, the more likely people are to feature your music, to play your music. So always think outside of the box as a musician. There is a lot of musicians out there. So just Mm -hmm. think outside of the box, have a message and, you know, always do something special that others might not. Yeah. I love it. That's, that's, that's very much aligned with what I believe in as well, that there are so many of us doing essentially exactly the same thing, but it's all about what makes us stand out. And I always think it's really easy for musicians to stand out because we're not, there's only a very select few of us that are in any way organized and kind of not too creative that we can't function in the real world. So if you're really creative, but you can just about get yourself organized you're going to stand out because the vast majority of musicians are just too creative to function, which is, it's, it's not a bad thing, but that's that. That's why we have people like yourself that are going to teach you how to how to function in the real world, I suppose. Very good. So yeah, so you were working away in the radio and you were doing the internship and you learned loads and all that kind of stuff. And then you went to do, you were saying there about tourism and event management. That was in California, wasn't it? Exactly. So it was part in Munich, Germany and part in California, San Luis Visful actually, Cal Poly, if somebody knows it. It's kind of a bigger college in America. So I did half and half my studies in Germany and in America, correct? Oh, cool. Very good. What was the idea behind doing a half in Germany and half in California? What could you get in California that I couldn't get in Germany and vice versa? Yeah, you know, America is always think bigger, I feel like. So Mm -hmm. everything that you can learn in America or California, especially, I feel like it's a little bit more thinking outside of the box to keep our thinking outside of the box kind of red line, you know. And I loved, you know, the creative part about events and festival that they had in America, as well Mm -hmm. as the very organized and structured part that was in Germany because of, you know, the nature of the countries a little bit it's just in america festivals are so big and so like you know they have so much special effects and i just wanted to learn both side of the things so that's why i decided america and germany could be a good combination of you know both very good did you what part of california were you in san luis obispo it's it's kind of between la and san francisco on highway one all right okay did you ever meet any like really cool celebrities or anything while you were over there you must have um, run into some people, actually, in fairness, in, in that sort of industry. You must have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. Sometimes, like, when you would be in the, you know, background, for example, I met Maroon 5, which was really exciting for me. I attended, a, it was like a conference and we won. So we, meaning some California students and I, 
we together worked on a project and we won kind of an award in that conference frame thing. Yeah. And they had booked Maroon 5 just for that conference as a concert, you know? So we ran into him and just met him real quick. That was super cool. Or them as the band. But yeah, that, that was one of the biggest names I think that I've met in California. Oh, cool. Maroon 5 for class. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, rem- I remember learning Maroon 5 in, in a band that I was in years and years and years and years ago. And it was uh, surprisingly good. Okay, cool. That's class. Then what happened then after you finished up with your uh, tourism and event management course? You, you went on tour, I believe. Is that right? Exactly. I started to work as an intern for an artist management company in based in Los Angeles, the international one, Dubai, Nashville, all these cities. And I started as an internship exactly as a tour manager, as you mentioned. We were on tour in France and Sweden and England. And then, yeah, we unfortunately had to stop the tour and we had all to go back home and start adapting to the new world. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of touring, right? So I know that your big thing now is to work with independent artists that don't have a lot of or any, in fact, support from major labels or from anything along those lines. So you must have learned some touring hacks to kind of support these this new demographic of people that you're wanting to work with. Did you? Exactly. Just for quick to clarify with the coaching business, I work with independent artists. Exactly. They don't have management. They don't have any label or anything big, you know, supporting them. On the management side of things, it's a little different. Some of the artists have a label. Some of the artists, of course, all of them have management. Others have like financial supports, financial mentors, for example. So it's kind of a little bit of a different world that I work in. And as independent artists, a hex. I love this question. This is a really good question because it really gets me thinking. A hack I would say is to reach. So when you're booking a tour, let's start with the beginning. So a lot of artists I know struggle with booking tours. So how do I book a tour? I would say booking is really first about calling the venue, not sending a million emails. It's really about calling the venue or calling the college or whoever or whatever is your target. Call them first and then ask, who should I email or are you interested in me playing at your club? Are you interested in playing at me at my bar? And Mm -hmm. which email should I send my email to? Because I think a lot of the emails just get lost when you email a ton of different venues, bars and clubs. Mm -hmm. And another hack is really being personal, being why do I fit to this club or why do I fit to this college? What is it that makes me the best fit for them? And the vice versa as well, you know, so really look at the club before you apply and then figure out, is it, do I want to play there? And yes, why do I want to play there? And then really send this as an email or talk about this on the phone when you talk to them so that, you know, you have this personal connection to them that again, makes a difference. You know, you always have to think about being a musician. You need to stand out of the crowd. It is a competition. There are a lot of musicians out there, but how can I stand out? How can I be more personal? How can I be more creative? How can I be more, you know, myself? How can I touch the person more than others would do? Very good. And so when you're phoning up these venues and stuff like that, should you have a not a script, a, a script, yeah, for lack of a better term, that you stick to. Obviously, you know your own your, your like your own details and stuff, so you don't need to be reading that off anything. Of but course. should should artists have like a set 
thing that they say, like almost like an elevator pitch, or should they just phone up and just speak in case they sound like they're reading it off a piece of paper? What do you think? So I like when artists have an elevator pitch because people will ask for it. So in any situation, it is good to have an elevator pitch. Just kind of like briefly touch base on who are you? What is your message? What do you? Why do you stand out? And which genre, which music do you make? What is maybe one or two milestones that you have in your career that yeah. really, you know, will stand out for people? So that kind of elevator pitch, I actually train this with my artists as well oh. in the coaching because it is always good to just have this as a back- background knowledge. If you need to have it, you will have it. So it's kind of, you know, artists, being an artist is kind of like building up your own business a little bit. I know artists hate when I compare it to this, but it really yeah. is starting your own business, which is, you know, you need to know the business side of things. You need to have an elevator pitch. You need yeah. to know, you know, what you stand for, you know, all these yeah. kinds of your USPs, all these kinds of things are important yeah. as an artist as well. So yes, have an elevator pitch to get back to your question. And then as well, please just be direct, be personal, be yourself. It's really important to not just have a script and read it off. Really interact with the person. I always tell my artists also before you call them, do something you really love. For example, I love dancing. I was back when I was a professional dancer. So I would just get up, dance for two minutes and then call the venue, you know, because I'm in my flow and my vibe. I'm full of energy. So I would call them and they would go, man, that was really nice talking to her. So that's now I remember her because she had so much energy or whatever, you know, your USP is again, as an artist, is it a lot of energy? Is it very positive? Is it very knowledgeable? You know, all these kinds of things you stand for or who you really are, what you feel like is your persona, your personality. That is something that must shine through the telephone, you know, when you talk yeah. to them. I think that's really good, solid advice because as well as being terminally disorganized, us musicians tend to overthink ever and like have like really bad imposter syndrome, which kind of makes t- t- makes simple things like phoning someone about a gig seems so much daunting because we build it so much more daunting than it is because we build it up and build it up and build it up and like oh what if I say the wrong thing or what if I do this and it's good to know that you literally just phone someone up and just you don't have to put on anything as long as you know kind of who you are and what it is you're trying to get out with the person on the other end then that's that that's just kind of that's just kind of it and then I'm following on from that then so you get talking to the person you need to get talking to you get the email address that you need to send what do you send? Do you literally just send an email saying, oh, hi, I was talking to whoever on the phone and here's me? Or like, do you have a press kit ready? Do you, or do you send your press kit at that stage? Or what do you do? What's the next step then? The most important thing is a live video or some live photos, some live footage, because they want to see how you play live and how you interact with the public. You know, they want to make sure that you're an artist who communicates with the public, who, who creates a bond with the public together, you know? Yeah. So that's something that they see search for then and that's why it is super important also on your website have live footage so if people research you they want to see how you play live so make sure you have videos of you playing live send it to them so i would literally just introduce myself again say hey i'm christina bauer i'm just doing it for myself now real quick i'm a singer songwriter we just were on the phone thank you so much for that really nice conversation i would love to play on your club xy because listen, this is what the club makes special that I think I can bring to the club. And then here is live videos of myself, 
you can include a press kit. It is helpful. Some of my artists that we have with a management company, they would even have the press kit or the EPK on their website. So they would just send a link and be like, Hey, you can download anything you want here. High res photos, you know, all these kinds of things that make up a press kit, or you just have it on like a Dropbox or like some kind of different online storage, not making yeah. advertisement for Dropbox here, but yeah. yeah, they would just, you know, have it somewhere. So it's an easy link to send. And if the club needs something, they can look it up. And it looks like, you know, you make the impression you really have everything together and you're very well organized, which will make the future of you and the venue very much easier than just, you know, here is, I'm Christina Bauer. We just phoned. I would love to play at your club. Thank you. Okay. Very good. I was literally talking about all this stuff in, in, in my own coaching session last night. So it's really good go. to have, it's really good to have that kind of, that, and that's just basically based on what I've learned myself trial and error and stuff and doing tours myself so it's good to know that what i'm saying is kind of validated by someone who's working in that in that industry and that that i think that's really helpful like i had to learn all this sort of stuff myself literally through trial and error and because there is very little training about this sort of stuff it's not available there but not knowing the correct terminology and not knowing what to search for makes it nearly impossible to do all this stuff by yourself all right cool so that's kind of covered the sort of the kind of pre-production we'll call it of the of booking a tour so you just phone up all your venues and make that relationship and make sure it's a personal relationship and like like you say and it'll make things very easy going forward and they'll likely have you back and stuff like that then how what's what's the next step in setting up a tour? I like to, you know, when you set a tour, it should be multiple dates. So mm -hmm. you want to book multiple dates, figuring out where do you want to go. You know, it should be kind of like making sense, not like you go, I don't know, like in, in Germany, you go to Munich, then to Berlin, then back to something next to Munich, and then you go somewhere else. So yeah. make a little tour, you know, route that you want to go. Yeah. So you create something where you think your music is well received. It is always easier if you have an agent, of course, because then they can talk to you about it. They know, hey, here and here, your music is well received or not. But always agents, of course, they cost upfront or they deduct money from your gigs when you get mm -hmm. money from your live gigs. I think independent artists in the beginning always kind of want to figure it out themselves because they're happy if they get some income by like playing live. You know, it's like one of the big income streams as a musician. So touring, you know, you want to make sure first you get a lot of money out of it. And then later on, you can invest in like an agent or you can ask an agent to help you book a tour, which is another big topic, agents. But yeah. we can touch base on that a little later if you want to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I tell you, I'm actually, it's got me the cog spinning. And this is something that I've just thought of now is that if you saw I've touched on it there, do I pay up front for an agent or do I, I find an agent or do I try and figure it out myself? I suppose it goes on a case-by-case -case basis, but if you were to give a general kind of overall thought on that, is it better to try and figure this stuff out first yourself or are you likely to fast-track everything with getting an agent and they'll essentially pay for themselves, do you think, starting out? I would be careful. We have made some bad experiences with booking agents in our past with the management company, with agents who take like an upfront, I don't know, 1,000, 1,500, whatever they ask for. And then they had like two bookings in the end, our musicians. And then we go, you know, it's, well, we paid a lot of money 
and we definitely are not getting the money back from playing live you know in mm. in like a dream world we would make money out of it of course it's like an upfront invest investment and then yeah. you get your money back because you tour you play you get money from gigs i would not i would be very careful if i do invest money before i actually know how they work and i know how I, you know, it was actually a recommendation from somebody in the industry. So it just kind of happened that the company fell apart while we already had the money paid and they were supposed to book us. So mm. you're never on the safe side. Even if somebody recommends it to you, something is, it could happen. You know, it's, yeah. if you invest the money, you need to be aware that this money can be gone with not a lot of outcome. If you invest yeah. upfront in like a touring agency, there are good touring agencies that do this. So I don't want to, you know, just say everybody is bad and everything oh, no, is not good, but just be careful. I like to just tell my musicians, be careful about it. If it is a 15%, 20% commission on the dates they get, I would do it. I would go for it if I really want to have the fast, short, shortcut. It's kind of the same thing with coaching. You know, it's always kind of the shortcuts of success. I can yeah. do it myself. I can figure it out myself. But if I get a coach, I will learn all these things faster, as you said, for example. Exactly. Like, that's something that co coaching does. Then an mm. agent will book you more because they have more experiences, they have more connections. So that's kind of like a little bit the fast track for you as a musician if you are willing to, you know, pay 15, 20% of your income. Totally great. I think these are legit companies because they are confident that they can book you. If they do these kind of deals, they know I am able to book this artist a few gigs because otherwise I also don't make money. You know, you're kind of in the yeah. same boat, I like to say. So yeah, I like, I like when musicians do it first themselves. I, in general, I like when musicians learn how to do things. They do everything themselves first, social yeah. media, booking tours, you know, all these things that involve or that are part of the music business nowadays. Mm -hmm. So I like that they have done it. They know how it works and then they can give it to other people because simple thing, you know how this person works. You know, if you have done it yourself, yeah. you know, this is a good social media manager. This is not a good social media manager. You can judge it, you know, because you have done it yourself so you can judge it. Same thing with tour agent agents, tour bookings. You can say, hey, this is actually really good because, you know, the tour looks great. This is what I would have done initially for myself. Yeah. And they book it just as I like to book it. Or do they just do a weird job, you know, and book you all over the place because they don't know how to route you correctly. It really, I like first when the music, musicians do it themselves and then yeah. in the end, give it to somebody else and kind of, you know, there are, there are parts of your music business that you don't enjoy as much as others. And then the things that you don't enjoy as much, just give it to others then. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's really solid because even learning things like what stuff is called. So like what a press kit actually is, what, I don't know, what if you were booking a tour, what, I don't know, a rider is. Things along those lines. Learning the actual terminology so that you then know, if you are going to look out for an agent and they start using all these big words, you know, well, big words, but the correct yeah. terminology for things, you're, kind of, you're not completely lost and you don't feel stupid and you don't feel like, Oh, Christ, Jesus, I don't know. I, I, there's so many things that I don't know about and all this kind of crap. So I think that, that that's good, solid advice. And I do agree with you. And the likes of agents and people that are actually there to do that job that you're trying to learn. Yeah. Once, once you kind of reach your natural sort of plateau that you've gotten yourself as far as possible, 
that's definitely the next step. And if they're any good, they will get you to the next step because that's their job. As a, as a guitar teacher, if if students don't learn how to play guitar, that's my fault because I've not taught them nine times out of ten. But you know yourself. But cool. So yeah, that that's that, that's really interesting. So you were working with that was part of your tourism and event management, that internship when you were touring, was it? No, actually I never touched base on that. My internship during my studies was at a production company in Germany. So we went oh. on tour with a production. It was more like a theatrical, artistical piece Ooh. that we were on tour on. And that was my internship. Like we just planned it from scratch on until, you know, doing the whole tour. And then my internship was over and I continued working with them. So that was kind of the internship during my studies. And after my studies, I started internship with a management company. And as soon as COVID hit, you know, the world was different. My internship was over. I was full-time employed because I focused on online marketing in my studies. So everybody was like, Thanks, God, we have Chrissy and Christina is going to help us in online marketing and figure out how this world works now. <laughs> Great. So is that what you basically spent most of the pandemic doing was learning how to do online marketing and all that kind of stuff? Kind of figuring out how the online business for musicians work, honestly. So we worked, for example, with a platform called Veeps, and that's like an online concert platform. So we put on online concerts, you know, for like artists who had good audience all over the world. We had online concerts. Another artist starting started doing weekly things on Facebook and YouTube, live streams, and got a super big reach with that. So kind of like strategies for artists and musicians during the pandemic to not lose the fan base and also grow the fan base at the same time. Very good. So yeah, I was one of those musicians that live streamed. We myself and my bandmate, we used to live stream. I would do Friday night and he would do Saturday night and we would go live on the pub that we play in Aberdeen. We'd go live on their Facebook page from our living room and it was great. It was great for a little while and then it just wasn't. We'd had enough of it. But we were only we'd literally just put our phone up with that but there was no nothing about it like not now not nowadays now that we all learned how to do it properly so it's unfortunate that we didn't know how to do all this beforehand but what do you think then is the biggest difference compared to like think about pre-pandemic and post-pandemic what's the biggest difference for musicians I think it's not just the pandemic it's just kind of like how the world is currently you know with all the instabilities and stuff mm. going on I think the biggest challenge currently for musicians is costs Costs yeah. for traveling, costs for lodging, costs for equipment, renting equipment, yeah. cars, rental cars, you know, it's just all kind of is more expensive than it was before. So yeah. it's kind of a big struggle, I think, for artists. For even, yeah, even guitar strings. I bought a set of guitar strings that now I'm going to sound so old. I'm going to sound like I'm about 90. But when I was a kid, a set of the Dario electric guitar strings was about four euros 99 and that was in Ireland and here up until about a couple of years ago it still wouldn't have been much more than about seven seven yeah. pounds and even at that I thought that was expensive my bandmate the other day bought a set of the Dario acoustic guitar strings it was 12 pound for one set of the Dario acoustic guitar strings so if you know anything about guitar the Dario yeah. are really good strings I really like them but they were the basic ones and they're just like you can fucking get like like really premium end stuff for that amount of money you're like ah so yeah, even things like guitar strings, and you do feel it. You do feel the pinch. I do, yeah. And I mean, people are not willing to pay more for concerts or for nope. festivals and stuff. And that's kind of a big struggle. You know, also venues kind of experience that struggle as well. So it's kind of the whole industry kind of tries to figure out how to keep the costs low 
how yeah. to do not up the ticket prices too much so people buy tickets. And yeah. currently, you know, the bigger artists get bigger and the smaller stay small and figuring out that imbalance, how to, you know, how to make the people maybe appreciate the arts a little more so they pay a little more and yeah. maybe try to, I don't know, save a little money on certain things. It's just, it's a weird time still. And I think the music industry is still kind of recovering from the pandemic and from all the instabilities that are happening right now. You know, we used to have concert in Russia all the time, but all our contacts in Russia are now, you know, yeah. not, like they're gone, of course. Yeah, and like, of course, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a big country that we used to tour before with our artists, but we can't do this anymore. You know, it's kind of like yeah. just so many adjustments I think still that are happening that are inf influencing the artist and the music world, the music business. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about hacks again then. So how have you got any hacks or tips for musicians to keep costs down? You might, this is putting you on the spot. If you don't, then that's fine because I don't know what I'd do. I like, you can't just buy less guitar strings. If you break a string, you need guitar strings. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, on like the basic stuff, you can't really you can't really do much i would say but like no. you can piggyback onto each other you know kind of as musicians that that's where collaborations come into play and working with each other come into play like for example planning a tour together with another musician you know and then you have half the costs for example so some plays like half an hour set the other musician play half an hour set for example and you just tour together so you yeah. have the same exposure and you maybe piggyback onto each other's fan base as well and you okay. also can share you know rental car costs you can you know just i like to say mu musicians unite really like stay together stay close talk to each other collaborate with each other do also social media together social media if so <laughs> one thing that i think is really interesting in the music industry there is for example musician musician a has 300 followers musician b uh -huh. has 5000 followers yeah. so musician b does not want to work with musician a because he has not a lot of followers or uh -huh. she but it could be very high quality followers which they underestimate you know yeah. i worked with a studio here in germany together and he literally had like 300 followers but i got 30 followers from him just because he mentioned me on a story. I mean, if this is a super big account, I might not even get 30 followers if he or she mentions me on the story. Absolutely. You know? Yep. Yeah. There, yep. There's a book about that called, oh my God, was it? It's like 1,000 True Fans or something like that. It's on my, I, my, to read or to listen list. And it's exactly talking about that. Like, for example, with social media, it's such a funny thing. I've spoken about this before is that on my Instagram, for example, I've got like, two and a half thousand followers or something. And before Christmas, I had like about 1,200. So about half that. And stuck up a video of me playing guitar with my daughter, who is, she's, she would have been six months old at the time. And from that, I got over a thousand followers that are no use to me whatsoever. If any of you are out there listening to me, I love all you dearly. I really do. But uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, they're not following me because, oh, Barry knows his stuff. They're not following me because of the podcast. They're not following me because they like the way I play guitar. They're following me because my daughter's really cute. And that's it. And that's it. That's another really good point is like, don't take someone's online presence as like, that is, oh, they've got 100,000 followers. 99,000 of them might be just randoms. 
that have nothing to do with it and a thousand of them are going to be useful right. and worthwhile to be there. True fans. I totally agree with you. Also, you know, this like thing where musicians always tell me, I want to go viral with my video. I really want to, you know, get one video that gets over one million views. It doesn't help you. I mean, it's nope. great to look at. It makes you proud as a musician, but yeah. it really doesn't help you at all in your career because it's just random people who just came across your video because it's played by social media on their explore page or whatever. It's not going to help you in your music career. Yeah. So that, that I'm just looking at that video that I said got me over a thousand followers. It now currently has nearly 107,000 likes. All right. Wow. And oh yeah, great! But you know what? Uh, yeah, that's not that's really good engagement. Consider I only have two, two, two and a half thousand followers. That's fantastic <laughs> engagement. The stats are through the roof on that. But you know what? The only thing that brought me was a headache because I had my phone going off instantly for weeks. Yeah. I was like, I was like, this is uh, when it started gaining a bit of traction. I was like, oh, it's like. There's a thousand likes on that. I was like, oh my god! And then it was two thousand, and then it kept. They kept on getting. I was like, Jesus! By the end of the week, this is going to be at ten thousand. But my phone was just going nuts constantly, and it was just a headache. So people that say they want to go viral, you don't really want to go viral. What you want is the result of the virality. You want to call it that. You don't want to actually go viral because it's just a pain. Yeah, it is. I agree. And you always have to think about is are these really potential super fans? Because you know, yeah. the super fans will get you the money in the end. How many super fans will you get out of a viral viral video? Not that many, honestly. No, not that many. Not that many at all. I'm very I'm very popular and so is my daughter in like the Middle East, it seems, because I had all of these Middle Eastern sounding names popping up that were following me. No offense meant that is meant in the nicest way possible. And like Barry Carroll is a, an Irish-ish name. I wouldn't be offended if someone was like, oh, Jez, who's this Irish lad following me? But anyway, yeah. So then uh, coming back out of the pandemic, what were you up to? Because I know that you were doing like kind of artist management with a company in London and in LA. Was that pre or during or post pandemic that was pre during and post so oh, i go. worked for them before i started working for them that was the internship that was with this company the ah, right, okay. company and we just started off with a tour management kind of job just so i'm on tour with an artist i know how they operate i know how the whole management agency kind of is which yeah. clients they have which artists they have so yeah that's the job that i i currently still do i'm an artist right. manager and so what happened, especially after the pandemic, so during the pandemic, we had to let a lot of artists go just because they couldn't financially handle it. They searched for other jobs. They found a different passion. So there were a bunch of different reasons why they just left the management company. So afterwards, we got approached by a lot of artists, of course, because, you know, it's known in the industry when an artist company, you know, has not as much artists as they normally used to have. We got a lot of people approaching us or musicians approaching us. And kind of the problem was that um, these artists, they didn't really have a following yet. They didn't really have, you know, anything going for them. And an okay. artist management company works out of commissions. So if an artist doesn't make any income, the management company doesn't make any income as well. Mm -hmm. So we started, you know, kind of building them up, helping them in their artist career, kind of like coaching them, but on an artist management side. But the thing that we recognized that was not great at all was some artists, you know, after a while, they recognized, oh, the music business is a lot of work. 
and I have to do a lot of things to, you know, get yeah. traction. So yeah. I decided to not do it anymore. So we, as a management company, we wanted to build them up to then get them to a point where we get 15% commission to, you know, uh -huh. we need to be profitable as a company. We, we love to help artists, but we also need to be profitable. Otherwise we can't operate as a management company. Exactly. Yeah. We, we stopped kind of doing this, like taking our artists on who are, who have nothing going for them, meaning no listeners on Spotify, no Instagram, no YouTube, no gigs booked, no, you know, just no connections, nothing really in the music and going for them. And I kind of split up my own company, which is the coaching company, the Be Your Own Star company. I started coaching artists. This is upfront. They pay me upfront or after, however, it works better for the artists and how they can pay and how they can finance everything. But I teach them all the skills they need to know to get traction and then be able to start applying for management companies and labels cool. and, you know, kind of all the stuff that is is happening and is important when you're getting yeah. a little bigger as an artist. Absolutely. So let's get into that then, the Be Your Own Star. So that then kind of came from, the, you obviously saw a need for this in that you weren't able to offer it with your current company, but it was definitely something that was needed. And it's so funny that you should say that people, once they found out that it was actually work, they were like, oh no, fuck this. It's like, yeah. I always find that. So it's a very frustrating thing because as a musician, people see it's because it's like a hobby sort of thing. For a lot of people, music is a hobby. And for a very small amount of people, it's a career. And it's unfortunate that the vast majority of the world see music as a hobby. So when you're trying to make a career out of it, people don't take you seriously. And it's and vice versa, when you're trying to get into a career in music, you think, oh, I'm just going to go play my guitar and I'm going to go and drink pints all night, have the crack with the lads and it's going to be great and, and all that. And that's going to be me. I'm going to be a musician. I didn't realize that I have to do that's only about like 10% of the work. It's yeah. Yeah. But anyway, getting completely off topic here. So yeah. So be your own star. So what does day one of working with you on be your own star look like? So day one is they schedule an appointment with me, a meeting with me together, which is completely free. And they mm -hmm. just tell me what they want, what they look for, what they're searching for, what their goals are, where they currently are at. And then we determine what is the best way to to work with me or maybe with others. So I'm part of a coaching network with music, musician coaches and in America, actually. So they're all English speaking. So this is mostly for the English speaking clients that I have. So I do German and English, both languages, of course. So I'm part of like a network. So if I feel like an artist, you know, it needs to fit on a personal level as well. Like yeah. Coaching and management is a little bit like a wedding and a marriage sometimes, you know, you really need to work well with each other because yeah. you're really benefiting from each other. And if this doesn't feel right for me or for the artist, it just I don't think it's a good idea to work together just yeah. because we will not get the outcome or not get the, you know, get what we want to get out of this, you know? Yeah, we have this first meeting and if an artist is already like, you know, at, an, at a management stage, I'm happy to talk about management and maybe see if that works with the management company. Or I see that they are at a point where they need a label or I see that they're at a point where maybe coaching wouldn't make as much sense because they can't, they don't have as much time as they should have, you know, because they spend money on educating themselves, on working on a music career. So that comes with also a little bit of time investment on their side. So it's, I have some checkboxes that I like to check off with the musicians just to make sure it's a great fit and or I can direct them in another direction. 
Okay, very good. And what is the end result then? That So someone has worked for you for however long you've recommended that they work with you for. What can they expect to get out of it once they're kind of finished working with you? Of course, in, in the best scenario, they never are done working with me because, you know, we start working with the coaching company. They kind of build up their numbers. They build up their streaming numbers, their Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all these numbers. They get some gigs. They find out what their real passion in music is. They get different income streams. So they receive money on, an, on a daily basis or a monthly basis, you know. So kind yeah. of building all this up so they can say, I'm happy with my career. You know, I am at a point where I can say I sustain myself with my own music. I have enough following, enough super fans that if I roll out a new merchandise item, I don't have to worry if somebody buys it. I know people will buy it. You know, these kind of things, just like, just peace in mind as a musician. Right, I know yeah, a lot of musicians don't have that. No, we do not. <laughs> and are searching for it. So just peace in mind and then think, what is the next step? Is it management? Do you want to grow bigger? Do you want to stay on the same level? Do you want to, you know, maybe some of them go into teaching as well, or some of them, you know, they also find different career paths in the music industry as your podcast is about. So it doesn't... Yeah, yeah have to be just music it can be anything else in the music industry one of my former coaching clients she organizes a festival now so anything in the music business is possible and maybe during the coaching we find a different passion as well you never know you know yeah i like it i like it that, that that's brilliant so you're saying about building up like followers and streams and views and all and uh, of course that will just be like actual like real fans view and not just like going viral and having every devil and his dog watching it. If you had to give one golden nugget of advice to someone to grow those meaningful numbers, be it engagement on Instagram, be it streams on Spotify, be it whatever it is that they're struggling with, what would it be? I unfortunately have to tell you, I have two golden rules in my coaching that I found. I hope that's okay if I share. More the merrier. Awesome. So there's one thing I like to start off with. It's a picture. So just imagine yourself sitting in a car, holding the steering wheel, but uh -huh. not pressing it. You know, you uh -huh. steer left and right and you try to figure it out, but you don't get anywhere. And you know why? Because you're not moving. You're yeah. not pushing the gas. A lot of artists worry too much before they go. So you need to, you know, you need to get going. You need to start driving the car and then you can go left and right and figure it out and see what works and what doesn't work for you. So yeah. don't be afraid to get going and go and then adjust while you go. That's one. Okay. Very the good. Second, yeah. The second one that I like to share is a lot of artists shoot the arrows all over the place and hope that yeah. one fan, you know, gets hit at one point. <laughs> and yeah. Figure out before you really target people, who is that person I want to target to? So yeah. find your target audience, find your target fans that you want to attract, have a message, have a message that you want to communicate to your fans, stand for something. For example, one of the coaching, the bands that I coach, they really stand for sustainability. So they would go out to the beach and collect plastic bottles with their fans together. They started yeah. off with just friends and then it started like, oh, we would like to invite like two or three fans, whoever wants to go meet us here and here at that meeting point. So they really started to build up a super meaningful connection to their fans. And the fans go out and talk about that they have been to a beach, collected 
sorry, collecting bottles and, you know, all these kinds of things make a big successful career going and also yeah. adjusting while you go and really finding a meaning, finding the real target audience you want to target with your music and your message, yeah. because it's not, I'm sorry to say that musicians, it's not just about your music. It's also about you as a person and what you yep. stand for and who you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. That's, that's fantastic advice. That's a really interesting idea to get your fans go out and, and like litter pick with you and stuff. That's, that's brilliant. <laughs> That's really good. I really like that. That is now that is proper outside the box thinking. That is exactly and, and fair play. And cool. Well, that sounds brilliant. I wish you the best of success with it. it sounds amazing. Thanks. Is there anything else that you're working on at the moment? Yeah, I'm actually working on a group session currently. So I'm really excited about this project. It's going to be 10 to 15 musicians working together on their career. So if you as an artist or a musician feel like you are missing that message, you're missing your USP, you're missing starting to drive the car, that's exactly what we will do together. We will get the car started. We will start with learning first what is your usp thinking about yourself thinking about you as a person thinking about which kind of career path do i want to go is it just music is it maybe something else in the music industry plus music you know we will release a single together so if they have a singer ready before the group project we will actually live in real time release a single together and just go through all the steps how to register the music which distribution platform do i need to use or which ones are good for me how do i promote my music when i pre-release after release i like to say your music stops to be heard by people when you stop promoting it so you can literally prom promote your music as long as possible and that's kind of something we will touch base on there's a little bit of vocal coaching involved as well if somebody wants to train his or her vocals a little bit we will work also on like press release writer you know the business side of things so there's a lot to that program that kind of like just sets you up for the basic success. And then, of course, there's another group project that I'm currently also working on that's going to be happening after that first one, which is called A Star is Born. So okay. the second one is Rising Star. And then we will really go into the nitty gritty details, you know, of like, how does this exactly work? How do I exactly get this in this video on this and this platform, which cameras should I use? Which microphones are important? Of course, I will always have time for open questions afterwards in the first program but uh -huh. the second one is really like you know really a deep dive the first one is a little dive and the second one the second program a rising star is the deep dive in the end okay very good that all sounds really interesting and as i say i do wish you all the best of luck with it that sounds amazing Thank i think you. it's a I think it's a great opportunity for anybody out there that is in need of that yeah cool tell you what let's start finishing up here now and we're going to head into a quick fire round as i always say these are kind of like icebreaker questions but at the end because why not so nothing to do with music or anything along those lines they're just a bit of crack question one if you could live in any era which one would you choose and why I would choose, I think, the current area because it's so interesting. We have such big of a technology shift with AI and, you know, all these chat yeah. boxes and knowledge still and personal knowledge and, you know, this like common knowledge and stuff. So I'm really yeah. excited where all this goes. So I think the current one is my favorite to live in. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. What is your favorite animal? 
I would say dogs is my favorite animal. I used to have a dog when I was a baby and when I grew up and he was always there for me. And, you know, I like to be there for the people. So I kind of identify myself with the dog sometimes. Oh, that's lovely. Well done. That's good stuff. Let me see. What is the most meaningful thing you've ever done for someone else? Wow. That's a very interesting question. Very well done with that one. Yeah. yeah, I need to go back and listen to this question on your podcast because I want to know what others answered on this question. No, it is the, I've never asked this one. This is a brand new one, just for you. Oh, really? Yeah. Thank you. I think the most meaningful, that is really a tough one. You need to give me a second on that one. I know about her. No, I, I literally just Google like icebreaker questions and copy them into the thing. So I actually didn't even know that was there. I was just like, oh, number 16. I've not used that one yet. The most meaningful, honestly, was when... My grandma was in the old people's home and I was there for her every day, kind of, you know, helping her with stuff, talking to her and just being there for her. I think that was very meaningful for myself and for my family. Bless you. That is wonderful. That is lovely. Well done. I'll tell you what, let's finish it on a a light note and we'll say, what is the funniest joke that you know? funniest joke oh god i'm so bad at jokes this is like the worst question you've ever ever jokes oh god i don't know if i can answer this question no no i i don't know i'm sorry i cannot no have jokes in germany no we do have a lot of like mother jokes which are kind of weird to me (laughs) like i know one actually here we go okay here we go here we go maybe not the funniest but this is the only one i remember (laughs) it's about blonde people we like to joke about blonde people here in germany you know them being a little a man sees a blonde person just putting water over the laptop and then he says what are you doing why are you doing this and she says, oh, I'm surfing in the internet. You know, I'm just getting my surfboard right there. That's uh, it. I'm sorry. That's very good. Okay, cool. Let's leave it there. Christina, really quick before we go, where can people find you online? Where can they get in touch with you? Yeah, I love to communicate with people and to be in contact. So Instagram is always my preferred platform, to be honest. So be your own dot star. That's my profile on Instagram. And of course, be your own star dot de because of Germany is my uh-huh. website. So if anybody wants to, uh, you know, schedule one of those first meetings, they can do that over my website or over the link on Instagram. Be your own star is also on TikTok, on YouTube. So if anybody wants to look me up, search me. It's all on my website, honestly. Excellent stuff. Christina, thanks so much for your time today. It's been great fun. Thank you so much, Barry. It was so much fun to talk to you and thank you for all your great questions. the Music Career Show. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review and tell your friends about the Music Career Show.